You know people will talk about dying of a lonely heart or a broken heart. In your mind, is there such a thing? I think these days, yes. Um, you know, I used it. I used it symbolically in in the piece I wrote. But I do think that seniors are actually dying of a broken heart these days. You know, we heard from Ottawa's uh, city officials that uh, families would no longer be able to go to the window. You know, we've seen the images, the iconic images of family members touching the window just to get that moment or any kind of contact with their loved one. When you heard that the city officials wanted families to stay away and take that one source of contact, where did that take you? What did that make you think? I mean, I think I've been, I think I can use the word outraged about this whole situation from the beginning. Um, The fact that they've taken families away, which I think is a huge mistake. When I saw that they were going in that direction, whether rather than going the other way, uh, just multiply that by that outrage by more. It's absolutely appalling to me. Like it's beyond my comprehension, honestly. I would think that it's beyond the comprehension of a lot of people who are in elderly care because a lot of them are just so vulnerable, whether it's dementia, Alzheimer's, whether it's just, uh, you know, hard of hearing, anything. They're already vulnerable in so many ways. So when you take away that human contact or normalcy schedule, like the young man that told the story in the Toronto Star where his decade of everyday visits with his father just all of a sudden stopped, there must be um, a real feeling of abandonment with many of these seniors. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I think that's been there from the start. And when I refer to sort of breaking of a heart, uh, dying of a breaking of a broken heart, I, I think that's really what I'm referring to. This sense of kind of it's 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 partly abandonment, but it's it's more than that because a lot of these seniors are in situations where they're not well. So it's not only that they've been abandoned, but they often have no clue what's going on. So it's a sense of abandonment, but it's also uh, what's just happened. And next thing, there's strangers coming in, there's soldiers coming in. You know, everything that not everything, but much of maybe what was familiar to them and comforting to them has suddenly vanished. And I'm guessing a lot of the time they have no clue why. And so how do you find them comfort? I mean, if their sole source of comfort is a familiar face, that one person that can give them some kind of touch to the, to the home that they remember in that, how do you, or how can um, those working in those facilities replace that? Or can it be replaced? I don't, I don't know if it can be replaced. I'm not sure we can replace, you know, a family member who's been there possibly, you know, all along or especially in the last little while. Um, you know, what does give me hope is I have some friends in social work who have now been deployed as some of those volunteers or, or uh, specialists or whatever you want to call them who have now kind of moved into long-term care home. And I, you know, some of these people are my friends and they're incredibly empathetic, amazing human beings. So I'm just hoping there's, you know, a lot of volunteers like that who are stepping in um, because that gives me hope. But even that doesn't replace a family. I would have to think that the loss of human contact for some of these people is uh, as big a threat as the virus itself. That was sort of my point. You know, I think we're very focused on the virus and we need to be. And I think a lot of people are passing away because of the virus. But I think what's re- what got me to write this piece is I'm hearing stories and there's a sense that there's a lot of people who are going to be dying not of the virus. Um, but OK, so I'm calling it a broken heart, but just, you know, mental health kind of deteriorating because, you know, they're not holding it together anymore. They're not I'm mean, holding it together is the wrong word. They're not able to function. They're not they don't have that extra care that was helping them kind of keep going there was a story actually um yesterday in i'm forgetting which newspaper now i believe it was la presse um about a a son who got a call that his mother um 
was dying like it was the end so he was allowed in because of that um, and when he got there she sort of came back to life so to speak um, and started doing better and because she started doing better he was no longer allowed to visit anymore so there's a perfect example of you know someone who basically the doctors had said is finished the family members allowed back in and lo and behold you know she comes back to you know starting to eat again and kind of function a bit better so i thought that was a perfect example actually there's a there's a real cruelty to 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 knowing um you know we hear the numbers but you don't associate that with the fact that these are people these are mothers these are fathers these are family units um but the the thought of these people dying alone there's a real cruelty to that yeah and i mean that's the the man i uh, the son that i spoke about in my piece that's what he really kind of talked about when i when i was um well not interviewing him but when i spoke to him um and it's it's heartbreaking it's i mean these are people's you know these are people's with lives, with stories. I mean, we're very much following all these statistics that I think are affecting all Canadians across the country to see these numbers going up and up, especially in seniors' homes. But as he pointed out so clearly, this isn't just a number, right? This is a face. This is a story. This is a history. Um, and, you know, hopefully these stories will, you know, lead to something in the long run. But I think, you know, the part that's really troubling to me um, coming from social work is this, this isn't surprising to anyone who works in social work or, you know, other related fields. Mm-hmm. We knew this was happening. We're not, we're not supporting and we're not funding um, what I'm calling stigmatized, you know, care enough. Um, and so, you know, I'm, I'm glad this is coming to light. It's horrible that it's coming to light in this way, but I hope we can hold the people in charge accountable going forward that we make make changes what we need to i mean it's been decades this is not partisan for me and it shouldn't be i mean until you've had a loved one in elder care and watch them slip away whether it's private or public the system is flawed right across the board and uh, i guess it took a pandemic for us to finally wake up to the fact that it needs to be changed um because you know not only uh for those who are in these things there's a lot of guilt for those on the outside who think I could have, I should have, I mean, what more could I have done? I had to put my loved one in that home and now look what happened to them. Yeah, and I mean, my background's coming from mental health. And so we're very much focused on the seniors, obviously, and we need to be. But there's going to be a huge long-term impact on these families. I mean, already losing someone, you know, is horrible. Losing someone in these circumstances is doubly horrible. And then add to that that we're losing them and we weren't even there. We didn't know exactly what happened. We couldn't hold them. We couldn't comfort them. I mean, it's just going to make the mourning process outrageous. And it's just going to have huge mental health implications, I think, for a long time to come. And it's incredibly sad because I think this could have been avoided, you know, had we had we put a little bit more into these types of populations long ago. And we knew, we knew we needed to, you know, one of the other things that, you know, now sort of the big topic is, you know, especially in Quebec schools reopening. And I'm thinking like, are we about to kind of do the same thing to schools, what we've done in long-term care homes? We're putting a lot of responsibility on, on teachers. um, And it concerns me a bit. In your mind, um, should we be allowing a family member to go into these facilities? I know it's almost impossible because you think of bring transfer of germs, but I mean, it, it, you know, would it help in your mind? Absolutely. Um, my my feeling is it's not, you know, we got to do it carefully and it's to let in like a designated family member, not to just let family members randomly, whoever wants to go in, but have someone designated. Uh, in Quebec, you know, we talked about doing it. We're, we're supposed to be doing it. There's a whole lot of bureaucracy, I think, getting in the way. So, for example, one of the things is, as far as I last heard, one of the criteria to get in is to test negative um, for the virus, Um, but you can't be tested unless you show symptoms. So people who don't show symptoms can't be tested and therefore, you know, can't prove that they're negative and therefore can't get in. Um, But I think if we can allow, 
um, or, or not allow, but find ways to bring in these volunteers, to bring in specialists, to bring in soldiers and protect them, then certainly we can do this for families. And also, you know, what I was saying earlier about, you know, these social work friends who are now, you know, going in, um, one of them was telling me, you know, she was, she went for training. So it was an hour and a half of training. I mean, an hour and a half is not a lot of training, which is a little bit, you know, worrisome to me. But if we can do an hour and a half of training, you know, to volunteers, why can't we sit down with a designated family member and give them that same hour and a half, you know, how to put on the PPE, how to be careful, because we don't have to train them to do all the other stuff, you know, like we can train them how to be safe, but they know how to take care of that person because they've been doing it for a long time. Either way, when the books are written, uh, the chapter will be a dark one um, as we look back to how we treated those really who have built this country and, um, and had to go out of the world uh, alone in many of these cases. Uh, Susan, I, I so enjoyed your conversation. I very much uh, appreciate your time. Thank you. It's uh, my pleasure.